Joe Biden has now been in office for 14 months. Inflation is at 40-year highs. Gas prices have hit all-time highs. We're witnessing the first major war in Europe in 70 years. Some people believe we're all on the brink of World War III. And to top it all off, there's not enough food. With regard to food shortage, yes, we did talk about food shortages. And, uh, and it's going to be real. The, the price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon Russia. It's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. The food shortages are going to be real, he says, as though that's just a normal thing in America. Food shortages, something that we have not had in this country in what, 90 plus years? I'm thinking, what, the Great Depression? Was that the last time? Even then. Food shortages in the richest, most powerful country in the history of the world, and a president who just sort of shrugs it off like that's normal. We managed to survive Biden's winter of sickness and death just to find ourselves in the springtime of famine and hunger. Can you even imagine what Biden's got planned for summer? Over the past two years, things that we never thought could happen in this country have become realities, seemingly overnight. Full-scale lockdowns, church closures, federally mandated muzzles, an economy that just stops. Now food shortages as we stare down the barrel of a great power war in Europe. I am no fan of Barack Obama, but even a stopped clock is right twice a day. Obama was dead on the money about one thing. We should never underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from Thursday is from Jordan L. who says, I wish I could afford a subscription to The Daily Wire so I could watch Fauci Unmasked, but I'm saving up for a full tank of gasoline. I know. It's another thing Joe Biden screwed up. People used to have a little bit more disposable income so that they could do things like subscribe to The Daily Wire and watch Fauci Unmasked, my three-part docuseries on the real history of Dr. Fauci. You have not seen or heard this before. Luckily, a lot of people still, maybe they're just going to fill their tank halfway this month so that they can make the wise choice to uh, invest in that subscription. Thank you to everyone who has watched Fauci Unmasked. Who cares? Who cares about filling up your tank? Okay. There's other things to worry about, even on your car. And when you want to fix up your car, you got to check out rockauto.com. Right now, go to rockauto.com, write Knowles in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you to the one and only place you should ever be getting your auto parts. Time is valuable. Gas is expensive. Do you want to drive all the way over to the brick-and-mortar auto parts store, wait in line, answer a thousand questions about your car. Then the guy goes in the back. They don't have the part. There's too many parts to stock now. Then you pay 30%, 50%, maybe 100% more for that part than you would at rockauto.com. That seems crazy to me. Are you a masochist? Don't do that sort of thing. You go to rockauto.com. The website is so easy to navigate. Even I can do it. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They've got everything that you want. No gimmicks, just reliably low prices. You head on over there. You pick out whatever part you need. Same prices for pros and do-it-yourselfers. Do it today, rockauto.com. And most important of all, because we love Rock Auto and we really appreciate them coming on, sponsoring the show, having the guts to stand up with a conservative show, 
uh, write Knowles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. We will get to the famine. We will get to World War III. We will get to all of the pressing national and international political issues. But first, I've got to talk about the issue that, that everyone is most concerned about this morning. That would be the slap heard around the world. No, I did not watch the Oscars last night. No, you did not watch the Oscars last night. No, I don't think anyone watched the Oscars last night. But we all saw this trend. And then we all tuned in for this clip when Chris Rock made a joke about Will Smith's wife's hair. And Will Smith got up and smacked him across the face. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? That was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh Uh-oh. Richard. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your no! I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I could, oh, okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. Okay, all right. Well, that's fine. The greatest night in the history of TV. <laughs> Chris Rock recovers pretty well here. Over what? A joke about Jada Smith's hair. So Jada Smith has hair loss. She's losing her hair. Uh, the, apparently, the medical condition is alopecia. Some people have alopecia from a very, very young age and they don't have any hair at all. Jada Smith has had hair her whole life, but she now has hair loss as she's getting older. And uh, Chris Rock made a joke about this. And he said, okay, here's G.I. Jane 2. Because in G.I. Jane, Demi Moore has very short hair. And Will Smith sort of laughed at this a little bit. And then he decided, no, and he gets up and he smacks Chris Rock across the face and then starts screaming. There are so many angles to this story. I think, though, I have the least conventional take. So some people think it was staged because the Oscars have been losing viewership for a decade now, and they wanted to get viewership back up. It doesn't look staged to me. Yes, it's a room full of actors. It could have been staged. It seemed real. So I I don't think that's the case. I don't know that Chris Rock would have agreed to it. Maybe he would have. I don't know. So I'm going with the assumption that it, it was real. The joke itself was pretty mild by Hollywood standards. He was making a joke that now she's got very shortly cropped hair because she's losing her hair. Jada Smith could have turned this into a kind of strong, yes, I am woman, hear me roar kind of moment. Yeah, I am G.I. Jane. I'm a tough lady. Uh, But that that didn't happen. She She was offended. Okay, that's fine. It's fine to be offended on behalf of your wife. Of course, if your wife is going to be in show business, in public life, at an event where people make these sorts of jokes, then it seems like that's kind of what you're signing up for. But okay, Will Smith decides that he's going to get up and defend his wife's honor. I actually have no problem, really, with the slap. Is it an overreaction? Probably. Is it a little uh, uh, unconventional? Was it really called for by the joke itself? I'm not so sure. We can debate that. I... I actually think we would live in a much better culture if every time someone insulted our wives, even during an awards show, someone got up and just smacked them across the face. Because it it didn't look like a punch to me. It looked like a corrective slap. Sir, I demand satisfaction. Slap right across the face. I think that's a good thing. 
I think we lived in a better culture. Now we live in this culture where we're told that anyone's allowed to say anything they want. They can talk about your wife. They can talk about your mother. They can talk about your God. They can say whatever they want. And you're never allowed to go up and have a corrective smack across the face. And it's because we've made an ideology out of a a complete distortion of what free speech really is. The founding fathers were the great defenders of free speech in history, but they would not have tolerated someone insulting their wife or daughter or mother. They would have gotten up and smacked them across the face and probably dueled them to the death. Okay, so that I, I actually think we would live in a culture that was more dignified, more focused on honor if we could do the, the smack. What Will Smith got wrong here is that he then sat down in the chair and started screaming profanities like a lunatic. Keep my wife's name. That's very uncivilized. That is very, and the poor man, I don't think it had anything to do with Chris Rock's joke. I think Will Smith has been publicly humiliated for years now by his wife, who is boasting on television about how Will Smith is the biggest cuckold in America. And Will Smith has to just sit there and take it. I don't, I don't think it was the joke about his wife that set Will Smith off. I think that was the straw that broke the cuckold's back and he went out and he took out all of his rage on the, on the men that his wife is bragging about sleeping with. He took it all out on poor old Chris Rock. Chris Rock, total showbiz professional. One, takes the smack like a man, barely even flinches, and then goes on, makes a couple jokes. This is the greatest night in the history of TV and moves on. Uh, good for the Oscars. It finally got them a little, a little play. But don't, don't take the wrong lesson. Don't take the wrong lesson from this incident. The right lesson is if someone insults our wives and our mothers and our daughters or whatever, and you give them a little corrective smack, I like that. That's a good culture. We should, we should develop that culture. But don't lose your cool. Don't lose your temper, temper and start screaming like a maniac and using all sort of profanity and make them bleep you out. That, not very manly at all. That's the most important pressing issue today. If you look at Twitter, if you look at the news, if you look at what everyone's talking about. And in a way it is. We need it. We want a dignified culture of honor. The rest of the Oscars night was not so engaging. The rest of it was kind of a joke because Hollywood is not a serious place and America doesn't seem any longer to be much of a serious country. They opened the Oscar show with Wanda Sykes and Amy Schumer and some other chick. I don't know who she is. And they got out there and they were going to make a stand, a stand against the oppressive system. And they were just going to say gay a lot. Well, we're going to have a great night uh, tonight. And for you people in Florida, we're going to have a gay night. Gay, 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 Wow. That's so brave and insightful. Wow. Did you just said gay, 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 gay a lot? Oh, you, some of the wealthiest, most influential people in the world. Wow. You, you said that word, that sort of sexual preference that everyone's allowed to say and encouraged to say, and frankly, forced to say a lot of the time. And you're defending a a political ideology that every power center in America enforces. Wow. So brave. You, you tell those parents in Florida, yeah, Wanda Sykes and Amy Schumer, you rich, powerful, influential, famous people. You tell those parents who don't want their kids to get transed by radical teachers. You tell those parents who don't think five-year-olds need to be taught about weird sex stuff in their kindergarten math class. Yeah, you, gay, 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 gay. Wow, so smart. 
So, so smart. During the, during the awards show about an industry that's supposed to entertain us, that's supposed to be about the customer, entertaining the customer, the viewer, uh, edifying us, teaching us, showing us some other aspect of life. Yeah, you tell them. Gay, 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 gay. We're not a serious country. We're a country that has food shortages. We're a country that doesn't respect our constitutional rights anymore. We're a country that is potentially on the brink of World War III. And the best that our elites can muster is gay, 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 gay. That's what they're shouting. By the way, one thing, one thing that I would recommend shouting is shout out. Have you ever wanted to send your uncle a birthday greeting from one of his favorite conservative celebrities? Or have your favorite freedom-loving comedian roast that one liberal cousin that no one likes in the family? Well, there's only one place to make that a reality. It's a new app called Shoutout. The most popular personalities on the right are ready to make someone's day with a personalized video. Download Shoutout right now in the App Store and Google Play to get 20% off your first customized Shoutout video from the likes of Stephen Crowder. The Hodge Twins, J.P. Sears, Jason Whitlock, or Alex Jones, and many more of your conservative favorites. You just download that app. You download the Shoutout app. And next thing you know, you could be telling your, your uh, liberal cousin, Skyler, Skyler, they're turning, the, they're turning all my freaking cousins gay if you, if you download the app. It sounds like an incredible amount of fun. So head on over to the Shoutout app today and get it in the App Store. You can get it on Google Play and make the day of your conservative friends and loved ones or maybe your liberal ones too. We're not a serious country anymore. Speaking of hair and speaking because of poor, poor Will Smith and Chris Rock, speaking of hair, speaking of unserious political issues, while we have a failing economy, while we have food shortages, while we have potential war overseas, our geniuses in Congress are focused on the real issues, namely banning hair discrimination. You know, on the list of national problems, uh, record high inflation, record high, you know, where does hair discrimination fall on the list? I would say somewhere around 17 gazillion Number 17 gazillion? No, according to our Congress, it's right up there at the top. The House passed uh, a week or so ago the Crown Act, uh, H.R. 2116, passed in a party line vote by the Democrats that would ban hair related discrimination. Crown stands for creating a respectful and open world for natural hair and prohibits, quote, discrimination based on an individual's texture or style of hair. And the, the reason for this, this was a totally foreign concept to me, but they say that, quote, routinely, people of African descent are deprived of educational and employment opportunities for wearing their hair in natural or protective styles, such as locks, cornrows, twists, braids, bantu knots, or afros. And now we need to stand up and ban hair discrimination. Is this a, is this a very serious problem in America? No, it's not. One, sometimes you need to discriminate against certain styles of hair. Not, you're not discriminating on race or to attack someone, because, but you, in certain industries, you need to protect hair from getting into food, for instance, or from getting into mechanical equipment. And you actually can't allow people to wear their hair in certain ways. The military is clear, but you need to have your hair cut nice and short in most parts of the armed services because that's what the job requires. 
So you just need, sometimes you actually do need to discriminate on hair, not because of someone's race, not because of someone's religion or background, just because of the hair itself. Certain jobs require that. And that's fine. And, and if you need to wear your hair up in a net or you have to cut your hair short for certain jobs, you know what you can do? Deal with it. Just deal with it and suck it up and stop making everything about you and stop taking every requirement of put on you by your job or your society as some kind of personal affront. It's not. Just deal with it and suck it up because people have real problems like food shortages. We're living in a world where we're on the precipice of World War III and where people are going to starve, according to the President of the United States, and you're complaining that you don't get to wear whatever fun hairstyle you want to wear. Stop it. Stop it. Not everything is about you. <laughs> Not everything is about your desires. Be they, well, the, the one we mostly hear about is sexual desires, which is why the left has to just say gay, 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 gay. All the, the legislators in Florida marching down the hallways saying gay, 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 gay. The people at the Oscars, gay, 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 gay. Or, but it's not a gay to me. Now it seems so antiquated, so traditional. Because now it's not the G or the L or even the B. It's the T and the L and the Q and the 7 and the ampersand and everything else. But it's cut it out. It's not about you. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask not what your employer can do for your hairstyle. Ask not what what, how you can fulfill your own desires, ask what is required of you. Stop living in a society that's based primarily on rights, most of which are fictional at this point, and start asking, what, what duty do I have? What obligation? How can I make my society better? That's what a serious country would do, but we are no longer a serious country. In a serious country, people deal with issues of justice, of law, of order. This is a story just comes out of New Orleans. A group of teens with a criminal record just stole the car of a 73-year-old grandmother and drove it off while she was still attached. This is a little bit gory. Obviously, we're in a, there's video of this sort of thing, uh, which thankfully has been blurred. But as they steal the car, the woman falls out of the car, her arm is ripped off, and then she dies. 73-year-old grandmother, because these criminal teens were not dealt with by the criminal justice system, and so they were free to wander around, and, and then they killed this this woman. The superintendent of police in New Orleans, Sean Ferguson, describes the incident. Ferguson did say he wants the teens charged as adults. Brazenness, broad daylight, uh, with no regards to this woman hanging from the vehicle. So, I mean, I, I think at some point in time, we have to step up and say we're going to hold individuals accountable. Yes. Sean Ferguson, the New Orleans Police Department, they got it right. We've got to hold people accountable. These kids should not have been allowed back on the street. They had this criminal record. They, you're seeing this not just in New Orleans, not just with teens, but with everyone. There's a movement to let criminals off the hook, and it's being pushed explicitly by Democrats who explicitly want to defund the police, who want to abolish police departments, who want to abolish federal prisons. There's congressional Democrats, very prominent ones, who are trying to abolish prisons entirely at the federal level. Now, this police officer says, this is bad. We got to hold people accountable. But the, the poor woman who was killed here, her boss was asked what, what he thought about the incident, what he thought should happen to the kids. And obviously he agrees with the police officer that they should be punished. He just doesn't have any faith in the system. I have virtually no confidence in the system right now. Does anybody? You know, I would love to see them be prosecuted as adults, send a message not only to 
somebody who would be thinking about doing that, but this, you know, what is the purpose in it? What purpose was this? It's a senseless murder. He has no faith in the system, nor do we, nor do we, because crime is not punished because criminals are let off the hook. Criminals have been recast by Democrats as the real victims. And the victims are somehow the perpetrators of the crime because of society. Those poor teens, they've been failed by society. It's not their fault, but of course it is their fault. They made a decision. Even, even teenagers can make decisions sometimes. Even teenagers have to be held accountable or at least rehabilitated. But no, we live in a, in a country where up is down and left is right and right is wrong and true is false. We live in this country where the elites, the ruling elites have upended everything where now the best woman swimmer is a man, right? Where the criminals are the victims, where everything is upside down and the elites don't need to deal with the consequences of that. This is the key. This is how it's allowed to go on. Because if the, if the elites, if the people who are setting the society, people making the laws, the people forming the culture in Hollywood, the people deciding what information gets out there through big technology, through the media. If those people had to deal with crime on the street, like that 73 year old grandma were, mark my words, those teens would be rotting away in prison for life at best. That, that would be the, that would be the luckiest case scenario for the teens. Okay. If the elites were dealing with crime throughout our cities, there wouldn't be crime for very long. They wouldn't be talking about abolishing the police or defunding the police. They would be privately funding uh, police departments and jails to incarcerate these people forever. But they don't, de- if beyond crime, if the elites were dealing with the negative consequences of say immigration, you, you bet your bottom dollar that Southern border would be sealed tomorrow. If the elites were dealing with the consequences, even of the crazy sexual ideologies, even of all the other of the, of the food shortages, of the high gas prices. If they were dealing with that, then we would have national policies to mitigate those problems, not exacerbate them, which is what we're getting. But they don't have to deal with the consequences of it. And so now there's a backlash. And we talk about Republican versus Democrat and left versus right. And those distinctions do still matter, the partisan and ideological ones. But there is a, a class movement that's come up now. The people versus the ruling elites. And the ruling elites, sometimes they're a Democrat, usually they're Democrat, but sometimes they're Republican. And yet no matter who wins and whoever who's in control, the border gets worse. Crime gets worse. All these issues get worse and worse and worse. This is what is meant by populism, the populist uprising. This is what is meant by the deplorables, the irredeemables versus the deep state, right? The idea of the deep state, the administrative state, the permanent government is that no matter who wins the election, the policies remain the same. The deplorables, the irredeemables, the bitter clingers, they're not all Republicans. Some are independents, some are Democrats. That what distinguishes them is that they're not on board with the elite's agenda. And the elite's agenda has really royally screwed up our country. This is not just true in America. You're seeing this reverberate throughout the West. Immigration is probably the clearest issue on this because it's the one where the vast majority of Americans want to drastically reduce immigration. Illegal, yes, but legal too. That includes a lot of Democrats and a lot of independents and a lot of centrists want to drastically, we're taking in something like 3 million people a year now. Okay. 
two million illegally and then another million legally. That's just too many people. You can't maintain a coherent country that way. So the majority of Americans want to reduce that. The vast majority of politicians in both parties, even if they would say we want to stop illegal immigration, they would almost never say we want to reduce legal immigration. That's a bridge too far. That would be, that's bigoted somehow. How? I don't know. That's nativist. That's xenophobic. And you're seeing, that's why this immigration issue, it's such a, it's a, such a basic one. If you don't have a border, you don't have a country. This is reverberating all around the world. Major French poll showing that 66% of French, of the French support the re-migration of bad immigrants. Not, not migration into France, migration out of France to kick out the bad ones. Now, when you want to talk about, forget about the bad ones for a second. You want to talk about the good ones. You got to check out Tessa Mays. Right now, go to tessamaze.com, use promo code Michael, because you know me, I'm of Italian extraction. I like to eat well, and I want to eat healthy. I want to live a long time, but I'm never going to sacrifice taste. That is not going to happen. Well, with Tessamaze, you don't need to make that choice. Tessamaze found a way with their award-winning ranch dressings and vinaigrettes to blend extreme taste and healthy stuff too. Tessamaze is an American-made company started by three brothers with a dream to share their mom's recipes with the world. Tessamaze puts flavor and quality above all else. And because of that, they quickly became the number one organic dressing brand in the country. All their products are manufactured here in the USA. They have a wide variety of kosher, Whole30, and keto products. Whether you're in the mood for a creamy avocado ranch or a light, refreshing lemon garlic dressing and marinade, there is a Tessamaze product for every occasion. Kids, parents, and grandparents can all agree on one thing. Tessamaze dressings are good on everything dipping wings, pizza, pouring it over a fresh salad. Go check it out. Tessamaze makes every meal better. The embodiment of the American dream, these fellas, they're bringing manufacturing back to America. Their products are incredible. Go to tessamaze.com. Promo code Michael. Get 15% off all their amazing products. T-E-S-S-E-M-A-E-S.com. Promo code Michael. There is major pushback worldwide against the ruling elites. This is not neatly ideological. This is not neatly partisan. This is not neatly Republican versus Democrat or left versus right. It's just the the elites, the people running the country who seem to be able to push their policies no matter who wins the elections. That's where the pushback is. And you see it most clearly on crime and especially immigration. And you're you're seeing it around the world, including in France. A poll found 66% of the French support the mass remigration, meaning kicking people out of the country, of illegal immigrants, foreigners on terror watch lists, and foreign criminals out of France. The poll was released by IFOP on behalf of Sud Radio, and it, it showed that t- two-thirds of the country supports this kind of thing. And a presidential candidate on the conservative side who is causing, who has created a lot of energy and a lot of support, Eric Zemmour, who's running on a defend France, stop letting the crazy globalist libs destroy our country. He is, he is actually taking this on as a policy. He's proposing a ministry of remigration that would send large numbers of, of migrants back to their home countries. He's saying he would deport as many as a million immigrants within the span of five years. Would he actually be able to do this? I don't know. It would be an uphill battle. But is this a good idea? Yes, this is a great idea. A ministry of remigration. I, you will never hear me say that we need to emulate the French. I, I don't think I've ever said it before in my life. 
But you're going to, now you will hear it. I am on this one idea, a ministry of remigration. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we should just kick out anyone we don't like in the country. I'm not saying we need a mass deportation of people on the basis of their, I don't know, race, religion, any of the sex, or I'm not, certainly not saying that. I'm saying what the French people are saying here, that on very narrowly tailored lines, we should be able to kick people out. Namely, illegal immigrants, foreigners on terror watch lists, foreign criminals, kick them out. Of course, they never should have gotten here in the first place. And the longer we allow them to stay and commit crimes, the more we're going to get because it shows us that we're not going to enforce our laws. This stuff is already against the law. But Michael, it cannot be done. Well, maybe it can, maybe it can't. Maybe there's just a failure of political imagination. Did you ever think that we would get to a place in America where the best female college swimmer was a dude and we all were forced by our employers, by our schools, by big tech to pretend that that dude is a chick? Did you ever, no, that's a Monty Python sketch. That would have been unthinkable even 10 years ago, frankly, even five years ago, probably. And now it's happening. Why? Because the left, whatever their failures are, they don't have a failure of imagination. They just do whatever. Did you think we would get to a point in this country where if you say maybe we should slightly enforce our immigration laws on the southern border, you couldn't win a Democrat primary? This is the party of Bill Clinton saying illegal immigration is a terrible, horrible thing. We've got to stop it. Chuck Schumer, the, who's still the Senate Majority Leader, same thing. It's a, we got to stop illegal immigration. Then 10, 20 years later, you have to support illegal immigration to be a Democrat. We, they went from a place of abortion is horrible, it's a terrible thing, but I guess we should allow it to be legal for whatever reason in some cases, to abortion it, it should be on demand without apology. We should be able to kill babies up until the moment of birth, and we're all going to cheer and applaud that. You ever think we get to that point? The left did, because they did not have a failure of political imagination. We should not either. Then the, I totally support emulating. This would be such a popular policy if a Republican running for president said, we're going to have a department of remigration for illegals, for cr- foreign criminals, for terrorists, foreign terrorists who are in America. We're just going to, we're going to remigrate them. Well, you don't say deport. That sounds too harsh. No, we're going to remigrate. Migration's good. So we're going to remigrate them. Immigration's so good. We're going to do it twice. That would be so popular. You, all of the TV stations would scream and shout and call everyone Hitler and, and I don't know, every bad thing in the world is Hitler, according to those people. So they'd say it's racist, right? That's the, that's the synonym for bad. They'd call the, every, the worst things you could possibly be called. That's what you'd hear from NBC, CBS, ABC, New York Times, Washington Post. And you know what the voters would say? They would love it. The, the vast majority of voters of both parties. I'm not saying the vast majority of Democrats, but you'd get a lot of Democrats, you'd get a lot of independents, and you'd obviously get the vast majority of Republicans. It would be very, very popular. Because it's common sense. Because it's common sense. Why would we allow people who are legally not allowed to be in this country and who are committing crimes in this, why would we allow them to stay? You would have to be an elite to think that was a good idea. You would have to be You would have to have multiple degrees from Harvard and Princeton. You would have to have a very high IQ to be so stupid to think that that's a good idea. That's that's the sort of thing only only the elites could do. Speaking of the rest of the world, by the way, um, America may soon find itself even more enmeshed with the rest of the world. 
because Joe Biden just promised the troops that they were, they were about to go, go see the inside of Ukraine. And you're going to see when you're there, and some of you have been there, you're going to see, you're going to see women, young people standing, standing in the middle of the front of a damn tank, just saying, I'm not leaving. I'm holding my ground. They're incredible. You're going to see that when you go to Ukraine. Oops, I mean, Biden didn't even catch himself there. Biden just said to American troops, you're going to Ukraine. That, you know that war in Ukraine that's happening right now where I've said we're not going to get involved in that war? You're going. And you're going to see it when you're there. Why are they going to see it? Oh, because you're going to send them there. The vast majority of Americans do not want America to be more involved in the war, the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the war that's going on now. And yet the elites are pushing for greater American involvement. Almost all the elites, almost all the media apparatus, almost all of big tech, almost all of the liberal establishment is pushing for that. Joe Biden is pushing for that. No one's beating the war drums harder than Joe Biden. During a speech in Warsaw, Biden did not merely call for an end to the conflict. He did not merely call for punishing Putin. He did not merely call for peace. He called for regime change in Russia. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. God bless you all, and may God defend our freedom, and may God protect our troops. Thank you for your patience. Thank you. He says, this man cannot remain in power, which means he's calling for regime change. Joe Biden, the head of the most powerful country on earth, is calling for regime change in Russia. Russia, a nuclear power. How did regime change go in Iraq? Not great. How did regime change go in Afghanistan? Not great. 20 years later, we just brought the old regime back. How did regime change go in Libya? Not great. How did regime change go in Egypt? Not great. All of these places, not the most developed countries in the world. The, the risks, not so huge. Now we're talking about Russia. Russia is not Libya. Russia is a former superpower with nuclear weapons pointed at us. Russia, the stakes are much, much higher. And Biden says, ah, didn't work the first five times. Let's try it now with Putin. Russia, by the way, where there's no opposition. Almost everything Biden has done is unify Russia behind Putin. Putin was not particularly popular in Russia, and yet the crushing sanctions, the attack on the central bank has galvanized support for, for Putin. And there's no opposition leader. The closest one is Alexei Navalny, who has been imprisoned by Vladimir Putin. But even Alexei Navalny is deeply unpopular in Russia. He's a good-looking guy. He's pro-Western. He's not exactly the most democratic liberal leader in the world, but he's, he's, it seems better than Putin. And yet, if you look at the Levada Center, for instance, which is an anti-Putin, anti-Kremlin think tank, they are showing that the approval for the opposition leader is 25%, the disapproval is 75%. So who, who's going to take over Russia? This is, the liberals don't understand this. The progressives, they're so utopian. They think things are always going to be better. We're going to go in and everything's going to be roses. What are we going to do? We're going to decapitate the government and then it'll all just be great. What's going to happen next? Conservatives understand that sometimes the devil you know is better than the devil that you don't. The White House, even the White House, not Joe Biden, because he doesn't really speak for the White House. The rest of the White House apparatus, they realized, wow, this is really dangerous stuff. So they just came out. They said, the president's point was that Putin cannot be allowed to exercise power over his neighbors or the region. He was not discussing Putin's power in Russia or regime change. 
but he obviously was. They're telling us now, don't believe your lying ears. Don't believe your lying eyes. Biden said Putin should not be allowed to remain in power. In power means in power. It doesn't mean Putin should not be allowed to invade Ukraine. That's not what he said. He said Putin should not be allowed to remain in power. He was talking about regime change. And then even the White House came out and said, no, no, he wasn't. And then Biden was asked about this later on by a reporter. And he said, oh, no, I wasn't talking about that. So even Biden can't make up his mind. So now even this show of American strength becomes a show of American weakness. Then Joe Biden, in this disastrous few days regarding the war in Ukraine, said that if Russia uses chemical weapons, not only are we going to start fighting harder, not only are we going to push for regime change, we're going to use chemical weapons ourselves. And to clarify on chemical weapons, could if chemical weapons were used in Ukraine, would that trigger a military response from NATO? It would, re- it would trigger a response in kind, whether or not you're asking whether NATO would cross, we'd make that decision at the time. It would trigger a response in kind. And so what does the White House say? Well, the national security advisor was asked about this, said, uh, President Biden at the conference yesterday said that if Russia uses chemical weapons in Ukraine, the U.S. and NATO will respond in kind, which would seem to imply using chemical weapons back. Is that what he meant by in kind or what was he trying to say here? Jake Sullivan says, no, no. You heard him in another answer say we'll respond accordingly meaning, you know, we will select the form and nature of our response based on the nature of the action Russia takes, and we will do so. Uh, I won't go beyond that other than to say the U.S. has no intention of using chemical weapons, period, under any circumstances. So he, Sullivan just tries to rewrite what Biden said. He says, no, no, forget about in kind. He just, we'll just respond accordingly. But Joe Biden said in kind. In kind means the same way. So now Joe Biden is saying, if Russia uses chemical weapons, we... Who, and by the way, we have said that we've destroyed almost all of our chemical weapons and that we'll never use chemical weapons and it's a violation of international law. Biden says, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to use chemical weapons in Ukraine. What would that do? Pushing us further and further toward World War III. And why? Because Joe Biden says that the war in Ukraine is, is a battle between freedom and autocracy. He says, quote, we're engaged anew in a great battle for freedom a battle between democracy and autocracy, between liberty and repression. This battle will not be won in days or months either. We need to steel ourselves for the long fight ahead. He is saying, all but saying, we are going to send troops into Ukraine. We are in World War III. We are going to launch a, or or escalate toward a global military conflict over Ukraine. But this is not a battle for, for freedom. Exactly. This is not a battle between democracy and autocracy, between liberty and repression. This is a battle between two oligarchies, the oligarchy in Ukraine and the oligarchy in Russia. That's not a justification of Russia's invasion. I don't think it was a justified invasion. That's not to say that the two sides are the same. That's not to say that there's a moral equivalence. In the conflict, Ukraine is the victim here. Russia is the aggressor. It's a, it's a nuanced, complicated matter, but sure, Ukraine is the victim, Russia is the aggressor. But not every single geopolitical conflict is a familiar ideological battle. This battle is not between democracy and autocracy. It's between two oligarchies fighting over land, a land conflict that has been going on for over a thousand years. Is that really what we're going to launch World War III over? Not every battle is World War II. 
The only historical comparisons that liberals ever make are to World War II or maybe the fall of Rome. But usually just World War II because it's the only conflict that they think they know anything about. There are other battles throughout history. There are other fights throughout history. Some nuance is required. Some responsibility is required. Some, some sophisticated thinking is required here. And we don't have any of that. We have a really, really degraded country that is causing food shortages, that is now dealing with mass inflation because we just keep printing money because we think that's the answer to our problems, that's dealing with all, that all, all we can ever muster is gay, 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 gay. It's all, we, all we've got. Okay. Do you, do, even if you are, even if you think that it would be a great idea to go and actually escalate this conflict, to de-escalate it with Russia, say we need a big show of strength. The Ukrainians actually are the victims here and the Russians actually are the aggressors. We, we agree on that. And the best thing to do is just punch Vladimir Putin in the nose. Do you trust this guy to do it? This incompetent idiot? Joe Biden and this liberal establishment that screwed everything up to the point that we now don't have enough food to feed ourselves? Do you trust this guy to lead World War III for America? I don't. I do not. Something that Donald Trump got really, really right, more, much more than the Democrats, and frankly, much more than other Republicans, is that he was not particularly ideological. Not every single issue for Trump was a fight between freedom and tyranny, between democracy and autocracy, between freedom and repression. No, Donald Trump almost didn't view any issue in those stark black and white ideological terms. He viewed a lot of it as a deal, as a, as a little conflict that we got to work out and you get this and I'll get this. The art of the deal, call it. Yeah, well, Russia did this. We've done some bad things too. Yeah, okay. May, frankly, maybe Trump went a little too far in this regard, but it allowed him much more space to operate in his foreign policy, which is why his foreign policy was so successful. T Trump just came out. He was giving a rally. He said, people always blamed my crazy personality for almost getting us into war. He said it almost kept us out of war. And you remember this. The fake news media said my personality would get us into war. But actually, as it turned out, it was my personality that kept us the hell out of war. And has been accurately reported, I was the only president in four decades who did not get America into any new conflicts. Instead, I brought our troops back home from Syria, Iraq. Somalia and many other places and would have done it and would have done it very quickly from Afghanistan. We were all set. And, you know, we didn't lose one soldier in Afghanistan for 18 months. I spoke to Abdul, the leader of the Taliban. I said, Abdul, don't do it, Abdul. And the fake news said, oh, he's speaking to the Taliban. Who the hell else am I supposed to speak to? Who the hell else am I supposed to speak to? I kept him out of war. That's so true because Trump did not use these terms, these, these flow, these gigantic, grandiose ideas, freedom versus autocracy. Putin must be removed from power without even thinking about what the consequences of that could be. He didn't, he actually didn't escalate those conflicts. He's, when, when little rocket man over there in Korea says, I'm, I'm going to use my nuclear weapons. What does Trump say? He says, I got a bigger button and my button works. Watch it, little rocket man. And you don't know, he's unpredictable and he's giving people off ramps and he's making jokes, and he's not 
He's, he's not escalating the conflict steadily and steadily and steadily. The, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. During the Trump presidency, we had relative peace. You cannot say the same, certainly not for Joe Biden or Obama or Bush. Clinton, maybe you had the dividend of the cold, the cold war had just ended. So you had this little period of relative peace. Maybe Clinton deserves some credit for that. Maybe not. But certainly the most recent presidents, you can't say that. Trump had the better record because he, he, was not, he was not fighting some abstract ideological battle. He was not caught up in the stupidity of the intellectual elite. You're just saying, no, look, you come after me, I go after you. He told Vladimir Putin, he said, if you invade Ukraine, I'm going to bomb Moscow. I'll reduce the Kremlin to, to ash. Did he mean it? No. Trump actually said later on in a phone call, he said, Putin only believed me five to 10%. That's all he needed to believe me. That's all he needed to believe me. And all the intellectuals clutched their pearls. And what do we get? We got relative peace and we got relative prosperity and we got a booming economy and we didn't have food shortages. Speaking of big personalities and comedians, uh, Crowder, Stephen Crowder, our pal has just hit it out of the park. Crowder has gone undercover to investigate a new trend, a new important area of study in academia, fat studies. It turns out that there is an entire academic discipline known as fat studies, home to peer-reviewed think pieces such as overcoming fear of fat and queering fat embodiment. Now, I decided to write and submit my very own fat studies paper for presentation, and with the help of my brilliant researcher, I wrote an entire essay titled, Embracing Fatness as Self-Care in the Era of Trump. I then submitted the abstract to the conference, and, uh, oh, did I say that I wrote the essay? I, I meant to say it was submitted by C. Matheson, a wonderful and totally academically legitimate genderqueer fat pride activist. Hello, I am C. Matheson. I am an activist based out of Austin, Texas, uh, specifically working with the non-binary and fat community uh, to help uh, increase presence of intersectional and non-binary people with uh, such events in Austin as a Women's March, March for Our Lives, uh, most recently the global climate strikes. Uh, my preferred pronouns are she and her, and uh, my paper, Embracing Fatness as Self-Care in the Era of Donald Trump. Um, is something I'm thrilled to be presenting and has been accepted here at the New Zealand Fat Studies uh, Conference 2020. He's just, he's just a genius. He just, Stephen Crowder, he's a genius. He's an intellectual. He's a scholar, according to the Fat Studies Department. Fat Studies got me thinking of so many of our problems with the ruling elite got me thinking of Ketanji Jackson Brown or Ketanji Brown Jackson. I don't trust women that have three names. Okay, pick two. You get a first name and a last name. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, frankly, even Amy Coney Barrett, certainly Christine Blasey Ford. No, you get two names. It's a slight digression. Ketanji Jackson was asked, do, can you tell me what a woman is? And Ketanji Jackson, who has two degrees from Harvard, said, of course not. Of course I can't tell you what a woman is. I only have two degrees from Harvard. Only an intellectual could be that stupid. We've got our genius ruling class. The adults are back in town. Finally, we've got responsible people in the room running foreign policy, running domestic policy. Thank goodness that cowboy Trump is gone, that clown. Now we've got the intellectuals back in charge and we don't have enough food. 
We have the breakout of World War III and we don't have enough food. Only an intellectual could be that stupid. Uh, Sir Roger Scruton, the late great conservative philosopher, he said that the job of a conservative intellectual is to articulate in a, in a high-minded way what common people already know and to articulate for, for them what they know intuitively, that the geniuses and the ruling elite and the intellectuals, what they, what they do not understand. This stuff doesn't need to be so complicated. What is a woman? If you don't know, it's, it's hard for me to tell you. But we're, we're living the consequences of that right now. And as we're looking down the barrel at war, as we're looking down the barrel at food shortages, as the best our ruling class can tell us is gay, 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 gay. I, I think a lot of people wish that our ruling elite were just, were a little bit less educated, a little less high-minded, a little less ideological, and just defended the basic things that we all know are true and good for society. I guess, I guess we'll have to keep hoping through our, our springtime of famine and hunger as we get into Joe Biden's summer. Uh, God help us all. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina and Hair and Makeup by Cherokee Heart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, Will Smith smacks Chris Rock upside the head at the Oscars. President Biden visits Europe, where he proceeds to gaff all over himself. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Mm-hmm.